Since 1997, one organization has been providing invaluable funding and advisory services to social enterprises focused on employment. Celebrating 20 years investing in jobs and hope, we take a look today at Red Hook. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change Magazine. On today's episode, we speak with Carla Javits, president and CEO of Rediff, a unique venture philanthropy that has been helping strengthen the field of social enterprise for many years. On this, their 20th anniversary, Javits shares Rediff's ongoing mission, examines the challenges facing social enterprises today, and provides specific examples of success that make her proud. Reddup got started actually 20 years ago. So wow. this is our 20-year anniversary. Nice. Uh, that's very exciting. And yes. we, we really have had one mission from the beginning, and we still have it today, and that is jobs for the people who are not able to get work because... Yeah you know, of the histories of homelessness or incarceration, uh, sometimes mental health issues, substance uh, use issues, or uh, limited education, both young people and adults who, you know, have a tough time getting into the workforce. We're about creating jobs in a supportive work environment uh, as a pathway into the workforce. Okay, great. And so has that, and you said it stayed pretty much the same for 20 years. Has it evolved at all? I mean, I, I know that you work a lot with, with uh, are you specifically working, funding with social entrepreneurs, social enterprises? Has that always been, um, you, you know, folks that you've, you've helped fund and worked with in the past? Yeah, I mean, early on, we sort of hit on this idea, and 20 years ago, there weren't as many organizations right. support. Uh, but of advising and funding social enterprises, businesses, regular businesses that sell some sort of uh, product or service to the market, but they have a social mission, right. which is providing jobs to people uh, you know, who have faced various barriers to work, doing that in a supportive work environment and connecting those individuals to the kinds of services they might need to do well once they get into the workforce uh, so we've been basically doing that, providing the, you know, advisory service and funding, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we call ourselves a venture philanthropy kind of in the style of venture capital, but not looking to get the money back, looking for social return on our investment Right. Uh, from the beginning. Uh, but I would say, you know, in the early days, you know, a lot of these were startup businesses um, we didn't know as much about the model, you know, sort of what were the component parts that really made it work, uh, how to balance the business objectives with the social objectives, mm -hmm. uh, kind of identifying the right organizations that could really do this and do this well, the right business niches uh, or sectors, you know, in which this could work, uh, or, and, um, you know, the right kind of service approaches that could support the people once they got into the jobs. Uh, so we've learned a lot about 
how this works. Right. Uh, in, in the early days, we were investing in more startups. Now, uh, more of our investments are going to larger companies that are growing. And at the beginning, we only funded in the San Francisco Bay Area. We expanded about eight years ago down to Los Angeles and a few other parts of California. And then last year, we took a big step and expanded out our work nationally. So wow. that those are really uh, some of the changes that we've gone through over the last 20 years. And that's a huge change last year to go national. Um, be, that, that's that's big in terms of scaling up uh, the type of um, services that you offer. Was there something that inspired that type of growth and that expansion? Was it just did you just see a growing need that had to be met, or how did that come about? That's a, that's a big leap. Yeah, uh, we. I think one major kind of hurdle was we developed the uh, evidence of the impact of this work. So mm -hmm. we had partnered up with the Social Innovation Fund, a federal program uh, that provided us with some of the resources to scale up in California. Right. And paired up with that, we did a big evaluation of the portfolio with a wonderful firm called Mathematica, uh, and they really looked at the results. And what we found uh, through cost-benefit analysis was every dollar spent by a social enterprise returns $2.23 because uh, people are working and contributing and less depending on government benefits for their kind of day-to-day -day, you know, income. Mm -hmm. And... The social enterprise approach itself, because it generates revenue, is less costly than a lot of other interventions in terms of public money or you know, philanthropic money. So when you do a cost-benefit analysis, the equation is very positive. So we found that. Mm -hmm. And then we have other great results for the people that were employed, like their total uh, earnings went up 268%. When we compared people who got traditional workforce services to people who got jobs in a social enterprise. The people who got jobs in a social enterprise were 33% more likely to be working a full year later. Huh. I, you know, so a lot of really positive results that made us think, gee, there aren't a lot of uh, answers for people who have faced these barriers and really want to go to work. The work, traditional workforce system is not serving them terribly well. Generally, they're not the target uh, for most, you know, of the public sector's workforce services, which is more geared to people who have been working, just lost a job, and need to be retrained, mm -hmm. uh, you know, rather than people who maybe haven't ever worked or, you know, have worked very little and face other other barriers. So clearly we were on to something that both had a positive uh, cost benefit, you know, social return on investment, yeah. and was having a positive impact on the lives of people. And meanwhile, we could see that the field itself has grown up around us, in part informed by some of the learnings that Red Up has had, because we've always made it a practice to uh, put together the learnings uh, from the field right. and share it with the field. So right. a lot of people have used that over the years to grow businesses like this. 
And so we saw that if we were able to reach out farther with our advisory service and financial assistance, we thought there was really a chance right now to accelerate the growth of the field across the United States. And with the discussions that are going on about inequity, the attempts to, you know, uh, make reduce the size of the criminal justice uh, system, which is so uh, gigantic in this country, with the concerns that people have at the local level around homelessness and youth unemployment. Uh, we just felt like the time was ripe for scaling up a solution that had some evidence that it really, you know, could have impact at scale. Right. Um, which, which brings me to the other question that I was going to ask you, and you sort of touched upon it already, but I'm wondering what would you say are the biggest challenges right now in this sector? Yeah. Uh, you know, what the sector needs right now mm-hmm. is capital to invest in growth, as mm-hmm. any business sector needs, new right. business sector. You need capital to invest in growth. Uh, and you need uh, markets to purchase your, your products and services. Yep. And then in terms of social mission, you need companies that are open to hiring the individuals that you're preparing for work uh, and companies that will provide a positive work environment for those individuals with some opportunity for upward mobility. Mm-hmm. So those are the components that are really needed. And I would say we're on the climb up the mountain on all all of those. Yeah. <laughs> Where um, many of these companies are just, you know, incredible um, powerhouse, you know, sort of organizations led by uh, visionary leaders who really are trying to create businesses that have a niche in the marketplace and are able to generate. Uh, revenue, you know, with, with the business models that they have, mm-hmm. and many of them are very innovative and forward-thinking kind of social uh, leaders, you know, who are trying to create the right kind of management environment and supports for individuals so that they, you know, do well and they're really well prepared when they uh, go into the mainstream uh, job market. Right. They're they're doing well with it. Uh, I, I would say that uh, kind of the growth capital is in relatively short supply, and that is what we lost, unfortunately, with the demise of the social innovation fund at the federal level. Yeah. Uh, we are determined, however, to raise that money privately uh, and or in partner other you know state and local partnerships with the public sector mm-hmm. so we can make those kinds of investments. People frequently ask us if there are other entities just like Red F, and unfortunately, there aren't, you know, as far as we know, any other entities that just focus on this particular sector, on growing it and investing in it. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, there are some uh, forward-thinking foundations, individual donors, um, and, you know, other institutions that are increasingly interested and that are beginning to, uh, you know, place some bets with groups like this. And we're trying to, you know, encourage that as much as we possibly can. So I think capital is critical. Uh, employers, uh, mainstream employers who 
uh, are willing to open their doors to people that they otherwise, you know, might have excluded because they don't have the typical profile of individuals that they're looking for, uh, and use social enterprises as a uh, as a channel to find, you know, prepared talent. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's really critical. I think employers, and we see this increasingly among some, you know, uh, younger entrepreneurs and some more progressive companies that see that they can uh, hit, uh, bet, you know, better their business objectives uh, by opening up to some of the talent that's coming out of maybe non-traditional backgrounds for the frontline positions that they have, uh, and trying to think harder about how to offer. Uh, upward mobility and channels for advancement, you know, within their companies. So we see more of that, mm -hmm. but we need to see more. You know, we need to see more companies doing that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, on the public sector side, the workforce system right now, again, has been largely focused on individuals who had a job, need some brief retraining and then replacement. You know, we need to see that public system investing uh, in social enterprises that really are working in the employment of people who maybe face greater barriers and that system hasn't been as effective in serving. So what do you think needs to happen for the public sector or the private sector to do more of that, to be more open? I, like you said, there has been movement and there has been growth. Um, wondering, I mean, if you have an opinion on that and what, what, what more do you think can be done or is that just a way bigger conversation for another time? <laughs> It's complicated. I think some really uh, good work is being done. I mean, I yeah. think, for example, you know, ban the box initiatives that say to mm -hmm. employers, look, you have to take a look at people before you check their background and see, you know, and, you know, try to better assess whether or not the individual's history of incarceration actually impacts the particular job that you're hiring for, things like that. Right. I think those have been very salutary forward movement. I also think some interesting work is being done by groups like FSG, the consulting firm, and mm -hmm. Leaders Up, uh, another uh, great organization, mm -hmm. um, another you know Year Up, where they're all they've all been looking at how to basically make uh, cost benefit arguments to the business community that it's worth it to employ people who maybe come from these non-traditional backgrounds because they're more loyal harder working, uh, more committed uh, employees. So I think some of that will be helpful as they complete those cost-benefit analyses and kind of can speak to the core, you know, bottom line of these companies. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so I think that is really helpful. I think having examples of companies that have done a good job uh, hiring and employing these individuals, uh, that's always really positive. There's a neat company called Dave's Killer Bread in Portland, Oregon, that also has a foundation. They themselves, a third of their employees, they run a, a large-scale national kind of bakery, makes delicious uh, bread, Yeah. Uh, that in, a third of their employees are people who have exited incarceration, and they make a real point of creating a positive work environment for those individuals. And they also have set up a foundation to encourage other companies to do similar kinds of things. I think that uh, effort is really, really helpful. Um, the National Employment Law Project in this country, NELP, has created some great tools that uh, businesses can use to think about, you know, what their risk is or what the possibilities are in employing people. Yeah. 
who have these backgrounds. So I think that's all really helpful. Uh, and then, you know, the Congress did uh, renew the Workforce uh, in, um, Investment Opportunity Act, uh, which is the big act that provides money for workforce development in this country. And they did put more of an emphasis, especially on the employment of what they call opportunity youth or young people who are, you know, disconnected from school and work. Uh, and people who have had, you know, bit more difficult backgrounds. And so I think slowly that's starting to trickle down uh, and slowly, you know, workforce boards at the local level in our country are starting to look for alternatives to the traditional system, uh, you know, that work. Mm. So I think with evidence base we've created that says this can work and with the growth of social enterprise at scale, uh, you know, I think we're beginning to see more movement on all of these fronts. Okay, great. You know, I was going to mention, I mean, I think another element that we've seen really working is kind of uh, public-private partnerships mm-hmm. that are, you know, clear and, again, you know, set clear objectives and kind of bring the different parties together to work in a collaborative fashion. The example I give is some work we've done in Los Angeles called the Los Angeles Regional Initiative for Social Enterprise, which is a partnership with the city workforce system, uh, with social enterprises, human service agencies, training organizations like community colleges, and uh, private sector employers to you know, bring people into social enterprise for the temporary work, place them in mainstream jobs, and provide the retention supports and services that they need in order to stay employed with enrollment in the public system that then can provide some of the resources and uh, also with some contributions and sweetener from the private, you know, philanthropy that sort of help the whole thing go. And we're we're the backbone uh, sort of facilitating that. Uh, and the city and the county of Los Angeles like it so much and see some promise there that they're both doing an evaluation of this initiative and they're putting in millions more dollars to grow it further. Wow. It's really working. So, you know, that I think is extremely promising. Yeah. We're trying to do something similar here in the Bay Area and hopefully in one or two other places. Uh, you know, I think the challenge for us is we're ambitious to do this everywhere. Uh, but again, we need the resources, you know, to sort of fuel our ability to put this on the ground. But that's great, though. The partnership element is is it could be a huge value to uh, to get it to moving forward in certain areas. It's a game changer. I mean, in L.A., it's really been a game changer. That's yeah. amazing. Amazing. Um, I just, I know we don't have much more time, but I wanted to just bring us back for a second to Chicago and to Kara <laughs> and the work you're doing there. Cause I did spend some time, uh, like we said before, spend a lot of time with Kara, um, and, uh, and also visited some other lovely social enterprises. They're doing wonderful work and a lot of them with your support. Um, wondering how you, what you think about what's going on in Chicago in terms of how other people can lessons learned for others um, in that respect. So we learn from every one of these engagements. I'm I, sure. And, yeah. I, and I think Kara in particular, just an outstanding example of social enterprise that they've developed and honed over the years. You know, I think everybody is struck by the morning uh, motivation that they do. Yes. You know, and I know many of our groups 
uh, many of the groups that we work with around the country have been want to emulate that, yes. and many have uh, you know uh, have modeled uh, you know themselves on that, and have uh, you know themselves adopted these morning motivations uh, where they you know as you know they gather people in yeah. a circle and there's some back and forth and sort of inspiration for the individuals who are really trying to go to work and reinforcement of the positive. Uh, behaviors and attitudes and efforts that individuals are making in order mm -hmm. to get to keep work. So I think that's been really exciting. Uh, and I think, you know, CARA really stands out too for the kind of uh, clarity with which they've been able to establish relationships with uh, other businesses and the public sector as uh, for procurement, so they've become, you know, a part, of, normal part of the supply chain for other companies that need the services that their teams provide. So I think they've done a really good job with that, and then they've also done a good job in establishing relationships with companies that need well-prepared workers, mm -hmm. you know, so that they're really seen as that talent pipeline right. and very viably, you know, are providing individuals who are really ready for work. So we've certainly learned a lot uh, from them. Uh, I think New Moms is a really yeah. uh, organization also based in Chicago, yep. really deeply rooted in the community. They're a great example of an or a larger nonprofit that does other things like housing and services, but they really felt uh, pressed to try to help the individuals that they were working with, especially the young uh, moms, mm -hmm. some kind of productive employment. And so she took the risk and came up with an idea and started this beautiful candle making business. I, yeah, I saw it. Candles whenever I can. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. To buy them. Uh, so they're making a great product yes. and they've really been trying to innovate so that they have a good solid market niche. And bigger companies, I think they've, you know, they've really done a good job mm -hmm. getting on the radar of larger companies that are now starting to buy, uh, you know, to buy their product, mm -hmm. and they try to innovate with a little bit so they kind of stand out in the market. Uh, and you know, so I think that's a really exciting development. Uh, and you know, I think in a larger scale, uh, Arnie Duncan is leading an effort there that uh, is being supported by philanthropy to really focus on the young people who have gotten involved in gangs or violence mm -hmm. uh, and really want to go to work. And so they're doing a very concentrated effort there to try to develop social enterprise and other approaches that are going to allow those uh, young people, mostly young men, but also young women, to get jobs and go to work. And we're really excited about that, encouraged by that. and look forward to uh, trying to you know, partner to make that as successful as possible, because I think all of us are troubled by the, you know, deeply troubled uh, and deeply affected by the levels of violence that we see. Uh, and, um, you know, there's really an answer to that, yeah. you know, for people to get, get jobs and stay in the workforce. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, thank you. I, I, is there anything else you wanted to say? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I guess I would say, uh, as you're a Canadian, a Canada-based publication, because yep. you know we've always, we've long admired uh, the social enterprise space up in Canada. I've had a chance to tour in Vancouver a few mm, years back for the social 
enterprises. I know, uh, you know, you have a very robust social enterprise sector, and uh, and I think, you know, our on the public sector side, I think there, we have a lot we can learn, uh, frankly, from you about how to invest properly in social enterprise, and I hope uh, some of those lessons are taken to heart uh, by our government too. Okay, well, we both hope. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, it's great. Thank you. I love your publication. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, thanks for giving us a chance. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You've been wonderful. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Beerbaum. Thank you.